Good day, everybody. I'm your host, Felipe, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, it's my co-host, Sean Flannery. How are you doing this morning? I am doing awesome. Still bathing in the light of my baseball life home league victory. But we're moving on to the real life playoffs now and uh, looking forward to it. Also with us is our buddy Austin from the Round Trippers podcast all the way from California. Thank you so much for joining us uh, bright and early this morning. Austin, how are you doing today? I'm all right, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys. And uh, one more worth of note. I know I mentioned it already, but uh, uh, might as well mention it on the recording as well that our guy Mel, Mel Lopez. I, I feel like that's a Scarface character of Mel Lopez. Melvin is with us uh, this morning and he's from the Baseball Cosmos. He can feel free to plug his... Uh, page on the comments below because i know i'm gonna butcher the name like i always do baseball cosmos all year round baseball from all around i, I always mess it up i'm getting better though I feel <laughs> all like around all around like baseball uh year round, all year round from all around i think melvin please help us <laughs> anyway uh we have a help awesome... me do the whole kevin hart <laughs> <laughs> no he wasn't ready uh we're gonna uh go ahead and talk of, uh do a little bit of a recap of the uh national league division series i know it's uh the uh, league championship series are underway already but uh, we austin and i we talked about the alds uh players based on win probability added but we didn't get a chance to do the National League, so I figured oh, I might as well do the National League today. Focus on the players that showed up big and who didn't show up big for these uh, four teams. So we're going to kick off things with uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee. But, Sean, uh, I, so Austin tried to explain what WPA was uh, on an earlier podcast by himself. I tried to explain what, what WPA was last week. Can you tell us what WPA is uh, as far as you're concerned? It's momentum shifting attributed to a player everyone's like always says like in football or baseball oh after a big hit or a big defensive play oh the momentum's in their favor now well wpa doesn't wouldn't measure it on a defensive play but say you came in with runners on second and third two outs in the bottom of the seventh and you're down one run and you get a base hit that knocks in both of those runs you greatly increased your team's chance of winning and not only does it have to be a clutch hit, but if you're constantly doing things to help the team win at the plate, even throughout the game, it's going to increase your team's win probability by getting on base, scoring runs, or getting a hit, or getting all the way to second on a double, even if you don't score. You increased your team's probability to win just by putting yourself in that position. So I, th- I think it's a good way of describing it. Uh, now, w- something that I, I don't want to blanket a lot of people but tra- i guess traditionalist fans who have kind of rejected these uh i don't even call it advanced analytics or saber metrics it just you know just uh have refused to pick up on other statistics that have been uh been garnering a lot more popularity over the last 10 20 years but a lot of these people for some in my experience they absolutely love wpa to gauge performance uh not just game to game performance but accumulated performance to where uh, people are judging how good a player is based on WPA. Uh, do you agree in using this statistic as that kind of gauge, uh, uh, like uh, as far as like, you know, other sets like WRC plus uh, war, even on base percentage, do you go with WPA as a barometer to figure out who the best player of that year was? It's not really my favorite, but it's, I think nifty to look at in terms of 
because you can have a bad, not not really a bad year, and have a good WPA because all of those bad things are going to bring down your WPA. But it's definitely one of those more interesting that I keep on the peripherals more than anything. Um, I would still take all of the stats that you listed before it before I picked WPA. But it is a uh, interesting stat because it shows how much one person contributed to their team. Yeah, and I think Austin, uh, we talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on the usage of WPA here? I just think it's uh, funny, um, re- kind of recapping the show that we were uh, that Felipe and I did on my podcast. Um, we talked about some of the career leaders and and uh, in WPA and some of the career leaders in WPA are Mark Grace, uh, Eric clutch ratings, clutch rating, clutch rating. Yeah. Oh, was that clutch rating? That yeah, was and, clutch rating, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Raphael, that's it. Raphael Devers had a negative WPA. And we were like, what a bum. Like, <laughs> Raphael Devers, what a bum. Like, a negative WPA. He's, he's such a bum. So it's one of those things you're like, really? Like, any other team, you know, would have loved to have a Raphael Devers, the league leader in WPA. Um, uh, in the was it in the NL? Was it Willie? Uh, oh, that's clutch factor again, isn't it? Willie, no, no, I think you're citing clutch rating, and I kept calling it clutch factor. That's another mistake I made. It's it, the, the fan graphs calls it clutch rating. So, yeah. uh, the conversation went to clutch rating because when you naturally, when you're talking about win probability at it, people like to uh also cite that as oh, well, you know, he has a high WPA, so that means he's very clutch. And I go, well, depends on your definition of clutch, but fan does have a statistic called clutch rating. And uh, Pete Rose is number one on that list. Uh, and then Eric Hosmer is the equivalent of, of that in modern times. And uh, that's how Mark Grace got involved because Baseball Prospectus also has Mark Grace as the most clutch player that ever lived on this planet. So uh, meanwhile, a guy like Giancarlo Stanton and Mike Trout, they're all in the negative over the last 10 years. Negative clutch. Like they're like the unclutchiest clutch of players you've ever seen. They're so unclutched, Sean Flannery. That, how uh, unclutch are they? How unclutch are uh, I don't even know how they change gears. Like, there's no clutch. Oh, there we go. Sound effects <laughs> that we're too broke to have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. But we, we talked about it. Yes, Austin, there's a method to the madness here. Uh, all episodes that I'm involved are always connected. So, you know, that's why we do seasons and we do episodes. We go episode to episode, just like WP, game to game, episode to episode. All right, so enough of that. Uh, we are going to go ahead and talk about the players that uh, showed up big in the National League Division Series and the ones who kind of uh, uh, choked away. By the way, Eugenio Suarez was the worst player, according to WPA. Uh, that doesn't shock me. That, yeah, does that not... doesn't surprise me at all. Granted, he's, did he still hit 30 home runs? Did he ever get to 30? He, he had a hot month of like September. Man, I don't. He got I, he got right there. He batted like one seventy eight for the year, maybe. But it was a hot like last two weeks. He had like four six home runs. But oh my god! Uh, well, it, really quick, since we're on the topic, uh, I, I just pulled it up. Austin and Sean, uh, the worst clutch rating of twenty twenty one. You guys ready for this? According to Fangraphs, based on high leverage situations, if a player comes through or not, I'd like to hear it. Here it go. Number one, Austin Riley. The lowest for the worst. <laughs> And that's and, and that's very comical because who hit the walk off last night? That's why I bring it up, Austin right? Riley. Oh, and, and, oh, and you see, and, and that's even funnier because Paul Goldschmidt, who's one of the highest WPA guys, 
is right in front of him at negative 1.81. That's interesting. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, who had a really fantastic season. But you know why Paul Goldschmidt's at negative? Because Nolan and Ronaldo took all his uh, WPA away. (laughs) Took all his RBIs. (laughs) Can't be clutch if you don't have guys out in front of you, right? uh, Freaking A. You know, Ronaldo (laughs) took it. Everybody's bragging about him, but they 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 forget about the two, three guys that were in front of Ronaldo this whole whole entire year for the Cardinals. Uh, Michael Brantley, who is also negative, one of the most professional hitters over the last 10 years, uh, negative this year. Um, Enrique Hernandez at 121. Negative. Negative 130 for uh, Kike Hernandez, and he's been the most clutch performer in the playoffs so far. In a negative uh, WPA as well. Oh, really? Anything can happen in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, to round out the top five, Mookie Betts at number four, Jonathan Scope at number five, and then so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag of good and bad players uh, on the negative side of, of the clutch rating. And Austin and I, we already talked about the positive uh, players in clutch rating, usually a bunch of uh, – uh, guys who can limit their strikeouts and make contact, blah, 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 blah. All right, let's get going. WPA, uh, we'll start with the Braves uh, since they advanced. Uh, no, yeah, let's start with the Braves since they advanced. Uh, at the top of the list, Freddie Freeman. We know who Freddie Freeman is. Uh, he basically carried, I mean, Austin Sean at a 0.51 WPA. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not a percentage stat. I was going to say maybe that they they that's basically half, to, half the series right there, isn't it, for Freddie Freeman and the Braves, huh? But I guess not. Yeah. Uh, Doc Peterson, we half talked... of a win. That's yeah, half of a win of a one game, right? But this is a uh, multiple game, so so uh, it doesn't apply there. But still, clutch breakthrough performance by yeah. Freddie Freeman. Still, Freddie down. doing what Freddie does, yeah. basically. Uh, Jock Peterson, you know, you all laugh at the Braves acquiring him, but he came through. He came hey, through. He had the two big pinch hit home runs. I mean, they they were massive. And really, when you look at the rest of this Braves lineup, all of them were in the negative WA, a WPA for the series. So if it wasn't for those late home runs by Jock, I, I honestly think that this Braves team would have been dead in the water just because aside from Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley, uh, they weren't doing <coughs> really anything to score. It was just those two guys. And that was it. Uh, Austin, I have a question for you. You think the fact that, um, that the Braves were fortunate enough to face the Milwaukee Brewers had a lot to do with just it just because according to this thing, it looks like Freddie Freeman and Jack Peterson carried these, this entire Atlanta team into the LCS. Do you agree with that statement? I, I think they are lucky in that they face the Brewers lineup specifically because the Brewers roster is constructed a lot like the Braves roster in that they have pitching, but they have no offense. It's just the Braves have a little more offense with Freddie Freeman and then Jock Peterson turning it on, Austin Riley being the Austin Riley that he was, and then Jock Peterson turning into Jocktober. Um, you know, hmm. on the other side, you have Willie Adamas, who didn't show up for this postseason. And then after that, who else is going to hit Jackie Bradley Jr. Like <laughs> who, who batted under 200 for the season. Yeah. It was rough. You have Christian Yelich who has fallen off the face of the planet. Um, you've got, you know, Omar Narvaez. I mean, Rowdy Telez has done really good um, over the postseason. It went and, you know, when he was on, um, when he was, during the regular season, when he was on the field, he was doing pretty good for the Brewers, but the problem was he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. So I think they were, I think the Braves were lucky in that 
they face the Milwaukee Brewers lineup that really there is no meat in the lineup. After you get past Willie Adamas, there really isn't any meat in there. Whereas the, at least the Braves, they have a little bit of meat in Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, you know, they've got some bats, whereas the Brewers really don't. Well, speaking I think- of, Oh, oh, I was going to say, what were you going to say, Sean? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, since he brought up Willie Adamas, I think it's really interesting. You look that he actually led the lineup in hits during that NLDS. He went five for 17, but wow. still ended with a negative WPA because he had nine strikeouts. So Woo! it was either a, and he had one extra base hit a double. So he was five. So that, that was only three plate appearances where he put the ball in play for outs. And the strikeout is, you know, it, it's not worse than any other out, but it's not a productive out. And how many times did he strike out with maybe a runner on base that could have increased his WPA and increased, maybe won them a game, advance a runner. Uh, next thing you know, a pass ball scores a run. It's just one of those, the nine strikeouts absolutely kills you. Well, you, uh, since uh, Austin mentioned Ozzy Alves, we'll stay with the Braves for a little bit uh, and mentioned that Ozzy Alves was the uh, worst performer for that team in terms of hitting, uh, according to win probability added, he was at negative 0.29. Uh, we just, uh, last episode that Sean and I did, we talked about Ozzy Albies and just how, um, I, I want, I guess the word frustrating is not the correct word, but just how much of a, um, of an anomaly he is or not an anomaly, just a paradox overall. You know, he's- he, he faced the three best right-handed pitchers really in the national league this year. I mean, three of the top five, at least we'll yeah, say cool. that. And he's yeah. a below league average hitter against right-handed pitching. I mean, that's, it's kind of what you expect. Well, the paradox comes in the fact that, yeah, he'll p- pump up the counting stats, you know, the hits, the uh, accumulation stats, the home runs and stolen bases, but the rate stats, like, you know, things like that are important to everybody in the world on base percentage. Uh, it's pretty mediocre. So uh, and uh, I guess uh, Sean mentioning the right-handed uh, pitchers, it's just, it's just, to me, it looks like he got exposed. Austin, would you agree with that statement or it's just bad luck? I think, and- I think he really did get exposed with the right-handed pitching. Um, yeah, Ozzy Albies has been one that's been very frustrating for me in that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I had uh, both watching because I do like watching the Braves on the NL side and fantasy wise. I had him for fantasy last year and he was hurt for most of the year, but I didn't want to drop him. And so I kind of kept him on my IL. And then when he showed back up, he really didn't hit all that much for all but two weeks. And he's just, he's a really weird player. Like he has the potential to, I mean, he has thump in his bat, but then it disappears for weeks at a time. And then it comes back and then it, but it it seems like sometimes he slumps way longer than he's on. Yeah. It does seem like that. Uh, The the comp we made last week was Ozzy Albies is right-handed hitter. He had 21 home runs and 150 or in 465 plate appearances and he struck out, I had at 20% of the time, so not as much as the guy I'm about to comp him to, but he batted 230 with an, a sub 300 on base. He's rooted in a door as a right-handed hitter. He <laughs> tries to yank the ball for a home run, and it all leads to a 94 WRC+. Plus. He, and it's been like that almost every single season, except his small sample size 20, where he crushes lefties, and then he's below league average versus righties. And it's just, he hits just enough home runs against the right-handed pitching, even though he's still a below average hitter against them, that it makes it kind of balance out. And then he, he gets all the hits versus the lefties to raise the average. And it, it, it's a, it's a weird profile that in the playoffs, if you're going up against a team like Milwaukee, who had three bona fide aces, you're going to get exposed. 
Oh, yeah. It, uh, really it's just quick. funny to think it's just funny to think that he doesn't fit the profile or he's trying not anyway to fit the profile of a second baseman. When you think of the different second basemen around the MLB, they're not power hitters. They're the punch and Judy hitters that hit that Texas league or over the right field, you know, over the second baseman's head yep. and they get on first and then they let everybody else hit them around. And it seems like Ozzy Albies is really trying not to do that. Like he's really trying to hit for power when it's like, dude, you're a second baseman. You are not, you're not expected to do that. Let Freddie Freeman do that. Let Jock Peterson do that. Let Austin Riley do that. Uh, you know, I, just, I disagree. I think the Braves are expecting him to do that. Otherwise they would have told him to knock it off. But I mean, 30 home runs and then you 106 RBI. I mean, you I mean, if you, if, you, you if, can't doubt him. You if can't, you look uh, at him in the minors though, he had insanely high batting averages but relatively low uh, home run totals. And then he gets to the major leagues and it almost completely flops. He becomes a 20 home run hitter and the average drops about 30 to 20 to 30, 40 points, depending yeah. on the season. I mean, it, it's a very, I, I think he has the hit tool where he could bat 300, but I think as a right-handed hitter, he gets just so he wants to yank it almost like Francisco Lindor has been the last couple of years where mm. from the left-hand side of the plate, he just wants to pull it get it in the air and hit a home run. And then when he's on the left or hitting on the right-hand side, going up against left-handed pitching, it's a much more natural gap to gap approach. And so it, yeah. I, maybe I mean, it's just how it is. Somebody's telling him to do something. Be, I mean, he literally gave up the, the average for the power in it. And it has worked in terms of a counting stats perspective, uh, obviously from, you know, an overall, is he a, a, a effective, efficient player? Um, Mm-mm. I don't know all about that, but uh, hey, I'm pretty sure there's fa- plenty of fantasy leaguers who are happy with Alcy Albies as, as their second baseman after he posted 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases and over 100 RBIs. So, yeah, there's uh, really quick. I want to go back to the positive side and mention that Eddie Rosario also at the top uh, after he hit a, a two run single in game four uh, against Hunter Strickland. That was a big play for him, and that's why he's at the top of the list. Uh, Eddie Rosario stole 11 stolen bases this year. Uh, raise your hand if you knew that. No. no one's raising. No one's raising. Their hand. <laughs> I didn't know that. Hey, hey, Pablo Sandoval is still contributing to the brave success here in the postseason when he's not even on the team. <laughs> because that was the funniest trade at the deadline, or not even it was before the deadline. They traded uh, Rosario from Cleveland to Atlanta for Pablo Sandoval. Pablo Sandoval goes to Cleveland, doesn't even play a game, immediately DFA'd. Boom, salary <laughs> dump. Salary dump. And of course, Austin Riley. We just mentioned him. He's at the top of the list as well uh, with a minute WPA. Yeah. Uh, what was his big play? Was he showing up here? No, he did not. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so the negative side, we we keep it going uh, for the Braves. Uh, Orlando Arcia, former Brewer. That's the only reason I'm mentioning him. Former Milwaukee Brewer, Orlando Arcia, now with the Braves, not doing much of anything. Um, I guess we'll move on to Dansby well, Swanson. I, well, I, I, I do want to bring up one thing about Arcia. Is okay, in one of the games, uh, I think maybe game one, where they had him pinch hit with the go-ahead runs on base against Hater, and everyone's like, oh my god, he brought in a guy who batted 190 or something on the season for to face Josh Hader with the bases loaded or with the go-ahead run on base. We forget that Orlando Arcia was a pivotal, very clutch hitter for the, the same Brewers that he's facing. <laughs> in 2018, when he had like the two or three, four home runs in the same postseason, um, and everyone wanted to crush him for that. Like, what was he thinking putting Arcia in the game to pinch it when he could have just left Eddie Rosario in? And I just thought that was a dumb thing to get. Like, Hater versus Rosario, it's lefty-lefty. You don't really have a great matchup there. Rosario is up and down against lefties. And Arcia ended up getting out to end the game. But 
I thought it was a good hunch to play. You know, the guy facing his rival team in the postseason where he's had success before. Uh, but yeah, he only had the one play appearance and he had, a, uh, I think, a walk as well. But um, our two played appearances with a walk, but he had the, the big out with the runners on base that led to that low WPA. Yeah, runners on the corners, uh, two outs, and he grounds out to second uh, off of Josh Hader. That ended up being one of the top 10 plays of that division series. Uh, and that was an advantage, advantage Hader, Josh Hader, yeah. that is. Uh, and then uh, Dancy Swanson, who uh, he, he's had a, he had a kind of not a breakup, but a, I guess I, I would call it a bounce back because this guy had so much hype for a very long time and he's just been a major disappointment this whole time and he has a fantastic season 27 home runs 88 rbi uh austin uh, you think uh, dansby swanson will do better in the dodgers series um the dodgers have max scherzer they have walker bueller they have julio arias and apparently a new starter in Corey canable um so i don't see him particularly doing better um, facing that buzzsaw of a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my answer is flat out no, just because of the pitching staff that they have. And Kenley, you know, Kenley Jansen has been doing good in the back end of that bullpen. Blake, yeah. Blake Trinan is doing really well in the bullpen. You know, you still got Joe Kelly back there. Um, I mean, he might do better if you put like somebody like Bruce Dark Gratterall, where he can, you know, hit a ground ball up the middle. But, mm-hmm. um, I think for most of that Dodgers pitching staff, I don't think Dansby Swanson is going to particularly do very well for this Dodgers series. I think we're going to see more of the same, but the one thing that I thought was very interesting was when you look at Dan's Dansby Swanson for the uh, NLDS, he had three hits, right? Three hits for uh, in 15 at bats. Um, and so did Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson had three hits and it's, this is just how, how wacky the WPA statistic is, is Dansby Swanson has three hits in the, in the NLDS and has a negative 0.14, whereas Jock Peterson has three hits in the NLDS and hits for a positive 0.18. It's because so, he had two home runs with five RBIs that were in like late game situations. Exactly. That's what I mean is it's not necessarily like we're not necessarily talking about the particular skills of each player because Jock Peterson was good, but Dansby Swanson, you know, wasn't, didn't have as much power, but he, you know, was producing sort of the same. He had a higher batting average than Jock Peterson. And, you know, actually Dansby Swanson's season OPS was higher than Jock Peterson's, but um, you're, you're seeing here, whereas two players who kind of had similar seasons, their, their WPAs are very skewed because of just what they did in certain moments. So this yep. is really looking at moment to moment to moment rather than the skill of a player over the period of a, over the course of a certain amount of time. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Sean, did you have some, something to add about Dancy Swanson? I, I, I okay. not really aside from that. He, he, if you look at the counting stats, which it seems like you look at the counting stats on this Braves team, you're like, wow, that offense was really good. And they were pretty good. I mean, credit to them. They, they never, you know, powdered out, you know, when Acuna went down. But, you know, 27 home runs, career high. Uh, 78 runs, career high. 88 RBIs, career high. Uh, but 248 average, 311 on base, 449 slug, which is lower than it was last year and slightly higher than it was in 2019. 
He still finished as a below the average hitter. Braves fans probably don't want to hear that, but 98 WRC plus is what it is. He was a solid defender. He got better defensively this year. Uh, so that led to him being a three war player. Uh, but I, I still don't think this is some signal that he has discovered himself. I, I don't think it's that. I know he had a really big hot streak uh, in July and August and then fell off in September. I'd have to go back and look, but it was like a tale of two halves with him, really. Uh, last guy I want to mention here for the Braves is Jorge Soler, who we talked about the, uh, sometime around the beginning of the season, Sean. Uh, I think I believe this was the guy we discussed about him just absolutely struggling against the shift. And uh, he gets traded to the Braves and kind of uh, uh, ignites their offense, so to speak. Uh, he did finish with 27 home runs, 70 RBI, 749 ops. But in the last series, he was uh, not up to par. Uh, hitting 0.091 batting average, just awful numbers all around. One hit and 11 at-bats. Uh, I guess same question to you. Do you think he'll uh, show up in the Los Angeles series? Uh, he is a much better hitter, um, I believe, not only for his career, but I know this year uh, against left-handed pitching for the Royals, uh, he had an 836 OPS. But against right-handed pitching, he had a 588 OPS. He was able to change that a little bit after the trade of the Braves. He actually had a uh, 890 OPS versus right-handed pitching. Uh, but if you go back to 2019, which was his really big year, um, he did hit right-handed pitching even more so than left-handed pitching. But he has historically struggled a little bit more, especially in terms of strikeouts. Uh, and when I see somebody strike out more against same-handed pitching, I really worry about them going up against the elite of same-handed pitching, which, uh, let's face it, that's what happened to him in uh, the series against the Brewers because that they just they hit you with so many good right-handed arms. Yeah. And, and Devin Williams didn't even get to pitch in the series, which is <laughs> unfortunate. But uh, And then it, if you do face a lefty, it's like Josh Hader or somebody like Eric Lauer who's real funky and it's or Aaron Ashby who has one of the highest velo sinkers and the stupidest movement on pitches. Um, really excited for him. So it, it it's a tough matchup. That's why it was a low scoring series. Yeah. And um, well, let's talk about that really quick before we get to the pitches, because we're going to forget about Devin Williams. Uh, you think Devin Williams makes a difference in this series? Uh, Sean, I, I, I mean, Hater ends up getting the loss in game four. It, maybe they don't go to Hauser to piggyback at for as long or, I don't know. I, it just depends if Devin Williams healthy. Devin Williams probably pitches maybe two innings every outing. And maybe he pitches out of the five games, he pitches two games, and he goes two innings each just to try and extend, you know, get to Hater. But um, I think what ended up doing Milwaukee in was guys like they didn't want to uh, push Freddie Peralta. They didn't want to push Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns only played started the one game. And each time it was like a piggyback situation. Uh, they immediately put in a starter like Adrian Hauser, who pitched in two games, three innings, and gave up four of the 12 runs in the series. Uh, maybe if Devin Williams is there, they don't feel like they have to piggyback the entire time. They can just go to their bullpen because uh, guys like Hunter Strickland and uh, Brad Boxberger all pitch relatively well in the regular season and in the postseason. So maybe I, I think Devin Williams makes a, a, a pretty big difference here. What about you, Austin? You think the Brewers uh, pull off the victory of Devin Williams is out there? I think so. Um, mm. 
Devin, Devin Williams really is an important part of that bullpen. And it is really unfortunate that he decided to act dumb and decide to punch a wall. Um, but you know, he really is an important part and an important bridge to Josh Hader. You really can't rely on just Josh Hader to be your entire bullpen and hope that you are winning by the time you get to Josh Hader, because then you see it, you know, like, like Sean said, John, uh, Josh Hader got the loss in game four, but you know, it wasn't before, you know, beforehand Milwaukee was leading in that uh, almost that entire game. And they really, <coughs> excuse me, really had some key hits before they got to Hader. And if, if Williams wasn't in that bullpen or if Williams was in that bullpen, you may not get some of those um, key hits. You, you know, he may be swinging and missing on that, on that changeup that he has. And we're looking at the Milwaukee Brewers in the series rather than the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And I think it's noted that that loss for hater came in the eighth inning. It wasn't the ninth inning. And it, traditionally what the Brewers did this year uh, Josh Hader was it, no longer the two innings every sort of outing like he used to be. It was Devin Williams in the seventh or eighth, uh, along with someone like Strickland or Boxberger, and then it was Hader in the ninth. And I don't think it – and, of course, he had to face the meat of the lineup, Rosario, Swanson, Freeman, Albies. Freeman, of course, taking him deep. So there's nothing to say that if you put uh, Devin Williams in there that Freddie Freeman still doesn't take him deep, but – they stuck, they had a formula all year that worked. Yeah. And then in game five, an elimination game, they stray away from the formula and because they had to, because Devin Williams wasn't there. And the plan was Josh Hader going to go too. And maybe Josh Hader got ahead of himself. Maybe he was thinking, oh, I, you know, game's tied. I, I really, I need to go two innings. I need to keep us in the game. And he's thinking about the ninth inning when he's still in the eighth and it, it bit him. Let's quickly move on to the Brewers batting. Uh, you already mentioned Roddy Tellez. Um, you know, for like, I guess he came up big with the two home runs and four RBIs and, uh, and only 10 at bats. Is there, will there ever be a time, uh, Sean, where Roddy Tellez will be a full time player uh, in, the, in the near future? I mean, if they get Universal DH next year and Roddy Tellez and Daniel Vogelbach aren't in the starting same lineups, I we riot. We just. I'm, I'm going to move up there. I'm going to find Jet, uh, Jet and we're going to freaking protest outside whatever that ballpark's called now. And we're going to be like, we... Arena. <laughs> Loan <laughs> Depot for mortgages that love yourself uh, center. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's... Um, yeah, I'm going to go up there and me and Jet, we're going to just like pick it. You know, we want dad bods. We want dad bods. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to see Rowdy Tellez and Daniel Vogelbach in the same lineup? It's really fun. <laughs> I want to see that. Sure. Uh, quickly moving on. I just realized that we're half hour in. We, we haven't been talked about the Brewers. I mean, we have, but not, not, you know, for, in a format way. So Omar Narvaez, uh, I mean, this is how bad the Brewers offense was. Uh, Omar Narvaez gets credit for just showing up. Three hits, eight at-bats, uh, one RBI. He had a one double, 0.19 WPA, second on the team. Uh, I know Sean was pretty high on Omar Narvaez this entire year. And uh, for the Brewers, uh, he came through. Uh, yeah, he they... had the RBI single that chased Charlie Morton in game four, I believe. Ah, okay. Uh, J Jace Peterson, uh, former prospect that I used to uh, look at, uh, 
he gets credit with a 0.09 WPA because he walked twice in two games. Because he gets on base. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eduardo Escobar with a minuscule 0. Uh, 0.02 WPA. Uh, he had a pretty good series. Three for 10, a double, uh, hit bad at 300. Uh, Eduardo Escobar. Remember, that's one of those guys, right? Trade deadline, trade, trade deadline move. No, no, no. Besides that, Eduardo Escobar, Eddie Rosario. I oh, yeah. They're the, the same person. We, yeah, they're, we, the same we, yeah person. They're, they're the same person. And Jorge Polanco, they're all the same. They're, they're all came they're from the Minnesota s- team. They're all the same. They're yeah. the same tree. The same tree. I don't know. Uh, so let's go on to the negative side. And this is the big one. Colton Wong, who uh, was pretty much carrying this Brewers team at the beginning, struggled mightily. Um, What's your take on Colton Wong? Well, I mean, shoot, this trio, uh, Austin. Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas. Um, what happened there? Do you know, I mean, any thoughts on those three guys? I mean, the the, the most important players uh, in terms of offense just fully struggling in the series, Austin. You know, Colton Wong, I was kind of surprised that he didn't uh, show up more for the Brewers. Um, Christian Yelich, I'm kind of starting to come to terms with the fact that maybe he's just – not as good as, you know, I mean, everybody is allowed to have, you know, a flashbang couple of years and then goes back to whatever he was supposed to be. And I'm becoming reserved to the fact that maybe Christian Yelich is just going to be like this for the rest of his career. Do I hope? Do I hope? No, I hope not. But, you know, I'm starting it because this is two years in a row now. We've been waiting for Christian Yelich to go back to the MVP candidate that he was, and he's just completely fallen apart two years in a row. So, you know, Willie Adamas, I was shocked also didn't, um, didn't show up. Um, and I think really on top of some of the pitching blunders and the fact that Devin Williams wasn't there, it's a fact that those guys that showed up consistently for the season for the regular season did not show up for the, um, playoffs. I mean, you have Colton Wong on his baseball savant page. He's in the 75th percentile in K percentage, right? Yep. He's not striking out. So, you know, it's, it's, so he's making contact with the ball. And usually when you're making contact with the baseball, something is bound to happen. Right. And it's just, it's not, it just didn't happen. This, yeah. this series. And- Colton, Colton really just got cold at the wrong time. Uh, through yeah. July, he was one of the team's best hitters. Uh, him and William Davis really carry that team. And then in August, uh, in September, really from August then on, uh, he batted 238, 239. I mean, it was identical stats, uh, sub 740 OPSs. And he just, he wasn't the same hitter. And then it carried into the, the Braves series. You face good pitching. The, the Braves pitched much better than I anticipated in that series uh, with Anderson, Morton, and Fareed. Uh, so just a, a bad time to go cold, I guess, for Colton Wong, because, you know, he was so good for the vast majority of the season. Well, even okay. then, Willie Adamas did not have all that bad of a series. I mean, he batted 294. He had five hits and 17 at-bats. Nine strikeouts. I mean, yeah, the, know, the nine strikeouts, nine, that, and that kills him. nine strikeouts, but, I mean, it wasn't like he went up there and was whiffing every time. He was getting on base. He had five hits. That nine strikeouts does kill him, but it's one of those things where it's like, He's striking out at the most inopportune times is what it is. If some of those five hits were in a different situation, we're looking at a completely different series here. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, we saw Freddie Freeman show up uh, big time for this Braves team. 
who knows what this uh, series would look like uh, if Christian Yelich just, I don't know, uh, a, a, a minute version of Christian Yelich uh, from before just shows up and gets a clutch hit here or there or, you know, just gets a hit anywhere. But, yeah, between the three of them, uh, 9 plus 8, 17 plus 5, 22 strikeouts in 30 plus – what's 30 plus 17, Austin? <laughs> 47. 47. 47. Uh, yeah, that's going to kill you. That's uh, not a good uh, rate. So what, what is that, 22, 47? I mean, that's almost half. That's almost half. That's almost half the uh, um, the the bat- at-bats you're striking out. Yeah, 0.46 uh, of the time they're striking out. Uh, so that's that's not good. <laughs> Especially when you only walk nine times. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> That would not work on my fantasy team. You, you could not be on my fantasy team with a ratio like that. <laughs> yeah, Let for me- those who don't. Let me show you. Let me uh, let me tell you guys something. So I'm looking at Christian Yelich's uh, baseball savant page right now. His K percentage is in the 32nd percentile, and his chase rate is in the 96th percentile. So my question to you guys is: Do you guys think that if Christian Yelich quits chasing as much, does he turn back into the Christian Yelich that we know from a couple of years ago? Well, no, that that's him being good at not chasing that. That's him not chasing. Oh, well, that's and, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and his strikeout rate, the, the strikeout rate, I actually came down this year. It went from 30% last year. That's what had me really worried. And it came back down to the low twenties, you know, 23 and a half percent go figure, which he was never a high strikeout guy. He was always around 19, 20%. Very consistent with that. Uh, this year is just, um, there was no power. I mean, he he hit 250. He walked. He had a 362 on base, which is pretty good. And that and that led to him having like a a positive, I think 110, 112 WRC plus because of that solid on base. But nine home runs out of Christian Yelich. That's not what. Even when he was the line drive hitter before he got home run happy, he was hitting you know 10, 15 home runs in 2016, 2017, 20 home runs. Uh, and then he had the big, you know, stop hitting the ball on the ground, which if you really dig into a lot of his batted ball data, uh, that's where he's he had a career high, um, really not career high because he had 63 in his rookie year, 55 and a half percent ground ball rate. It's the highest it's been since 2017. Uh, if he can't get the ball off the ground, you're not going to hit home runs. Uh, you can't hit home runs on the ground. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. Unless they're the uh, the infield uh home run variety uh, uh, but then you're looking at a single with a couple of errors <laughs> hey a home run's a home run ask any uh, home run hitter uh really quick as far as the chase and all that the chase and the whiff uh Yelich has always been a very patient hitter and uh i mean he had an outside the zone strike uh swing percentage of 22.8 percent that that's nearly a career low i mean that's that's just ridiculously low he's a very patient hitter very good batting eye uh, his outside the strike zone contact rate went up to 59.6%, which is the highest it's been since 2018. Uh, I mean, it's not over 60%, but still for him, it's a little bit of progress. Uh, and also a couple of that, uh, it's just not good contact. You know, it, it was 77.5%. That's again, that's a, that's high. That's a, the highest it's been since 2018. The last two seasons have been uh, just been awful for him. Where it gets interesting for me is that, Pitchers are no longer afraid of him. They're, I mean, 2019 and 2020, they were really nibbling him. Uh, Christian Yelich was not seeing any pitches inside the strike zone, uh, relatively speaking. And that percentage went up to 40, over 40% for the first time since 2018. Uh, but he didn't do anything with it. 
but it might be one of those things. And I think we've, we've been talking about it with you guys over the last two weeks. Uh, I, I, me talking to you guys individually on your shows or my show, whatever. There is such a thing as being too patient, right? I don't know if right. being a little bit more aggressive would fix those. But it, like Sean says, if you can't even lift the ball off the ground, I mean, what, what good are you in terms of a power hitter? Uh, I mean, here's another thing to look at on his baseball savant page, right? It's, so you're looking down his exit velocity, his max exit velocity is fine. It's where it normally has been for the rest of his career or for his career. Um, but when you look at his launch angle is down. In 2019, it was 11.3. 2020, it was 7.1. This season, it was 2.8. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's going down, and his hard hit percentage is the lowest that it's been since 2017. So, so it's a lot of problems with him. I, I, I mean, the hard hit percentage is still good. Like, he's still hitting the ball hard. It's just a, a matter of right. getting it off the ground, which was something that plagued him earlier in his career. Granted, earlier in his career, it was ground balls with a very high line drive percentage. It was almost next to nothing in terms of fly balls. And then 18, 19, when he was, you know, that MVP candidate, uh, we started seeing more fly balls. And I think now he's got himself where he's so focused on trying to get it in the air. I think that might be leading to some issues here. All right, well, let's move on then uh, from Christian Yelich to Avisal Garcia, who was kind of a, I'm not going to say godsend, but he ended up being a uh, uh, much needed uh, stability in that lineup as well from the right-handed side. I mean, he showed up with a 29 home run. So basically he did what Christian Yelich couldn't do with the 29 home runs. Uh, also nowhere to be found. Uh, and one more guy we want to mention before we move on to the other series, uh, the pitchers. We haven't even gone to the pitchers yet. I mean, we have, but we haven't. Yeah, we've, we've talked about him. I, I think we understand that they were very good and not the reason they lost. <laughs> Uh, Lorenzo Kane, which uh, is, is funny. We just talked about the Royals uh, 2015 team, 2014-2015 uh, team. And at this point, I don't remember which podcast it was. It was either Austin or with Sean last week. But uh, Lorenzo Kane also um, not coming through in this series. Uh, any last thoughts on that Brewers offense uh, before we move on to the pitchers? Really, uh, I think Avasayo Garcia is a free agent at the end of the year. And whoever signs him, I think, is going to get a pretty good deal because I think people are sleeping on him. I, I granted the defense is taking a nosedive and, but I think a lot of people are going to go finding themselves trying to sign the Confortos and Castellanos uh, Garcia. I don't think the Brewers will offer a QO to, I'm not even sure if he's eligible for it. I, I think he is. He's never received one before, but if somebody signs him to like a three year, like $50 million contract, I think he makes up for it. 100%. Austin last words on the hitters. Um, Milwaukee has some work to do when it comes to the offense this offseason. Um, they really need to find a steady bat that is going to be a presence in their lineup. When your when your presence in your lineup is Willie Adamas and Eduardo <laughs> Escobar and you know a struggling Christian Yelich, you're gonna struggle. You're it, no matter how good your pitching is, the name of the game is you have to score more runs than your opponent. And if you don't have an offense, that's not going to happen. So, you know, I think they have the pitching down. They have a, you know, three-headed monster and they're uh, and almost really a four-headed monster in their, um, in their starting rotation. They'll get Devin Williams back. They'll get Josh Hader, you know, in the back. Granted, they don't trade him away, but yeah. they, they really need to focus on bats this season, I think. All right, let quickly into the pitchers. Max Fried had a good series. Tyler Matzek, I mean, you guys heard his name a lot. He came through 
numerous times, according to WPA. So far in his uh, major league playoff career, which is last year and this year, uh, I saw a tweet. I think his strikeout percentage is uh, 30, not almost 47, 49, 47, 39, 37%. It's something crazy. And he's only allowed a few hits. I mean, it's 39, 47. What, what are you uh, it, doing an auction here? What's going it, on? It, it's somewhere between those numbers. It was like something with a nine or a seven at the end. All right, whatever. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, he's always been good. He's been one of the more, uh, more underrated uh, relief pitchers in all of baseball the last couple of years or so. Unless he's playing for my team, then he just starts to implode. Not that I'm mad or anything. <laughs> but uh, no, he's been pretty good. Ian Anderson, uh, a guy who we've been not doubting, but just kind of like trying to temper expectations. Well, I mean, he lived up to him once again. Uh, in this series, going six innings, I'm sorry, five innings, six strikeouts, um, and, and just a big key win for the Braves when he was on the bump. Uh, Will Smith getting jiggy with it. He'll be facing Will Smith in the Dodger series eventually if he hasn't already. He hasn't already, right? I haven't missed that yet, right? No, that uh, I don't think so. It's wait, wait, no, wait, the, the, wait, the Braves game? The Braves? Dodgers? Uh, Braves and Dodgers, yeah. Has yeah, that Will started Smith... last night. That started last night. No, but have Will Smith and Will Smith face each other yet? Oh, again? I don't think so, no. Oh, I don't okay. believe so. I know Will Smith pitched last night, but I don't think he faced Will Smith. Yeah, okay. Will Smith did hit a home run, though, and Will Smith got the save. But Damn it wasn't right. the same Will Smith. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Luke Jackson, another guy, uh, another underrated uh, relief pitcher for the Braves. He went three strikeouts and three and a third. Uh, he did give out three hits, though, with a high whip of 1.5. But still, uh, I, again, these guys look great uh, in terms of regular season. I mean, Luke Jackson, 1.16 whip uh, for a reliever. You still take that. Um, on, and, of course, you know, he played for my team those couple of weeks, and he imploded. So, you know, it's just I don't know what the hell's up with that. Uh, AJ Minter. Again, this, this Braves team is – I don't know why people keep sleeping on their on their bullpen. But, though, I mean, the, these are – some of the more consistent uh, relievers over the last couple of seasons, and they showed up uh, pretty big for this Braves uh, squad uh, in this series. On the opposite side of the spectrum, Huascar Yanoa, who I think, uh, I don't know about Sean, but I do uh, like him a lot uh, uh, from here on out, but he did not look too good in this series uh, at all. Uh, one inning pitch, gave up two on runs and a negative point, a 0.20. I, I hope he doesn't go punch a bench like he yeah. did earlier. Uh, Um, go ahead one thing that one thing that i wanted to point out was a credit to this atlanta braves pitching staff when you look in terms of wpa there's one two three four five six seven eight nine pitchers that have that pitched in that nlds eight of them have a positive wpa the only one that has a negative wpa is huascar yanoa so you know, credit to this pitching staff, anybody that they threw up there, they delivered and some point in the series they delivered. Right. So, and then the other thing is just a preview is I'm looking forward to Will Smith versus Will Smith. Cause we've already <laughs> had Garcia versus Garcia. And then Garcia got replaced by Garcia to finish out Garcia. So. And back to you, Garcia. And, and Orlando Arcia, no. too. Uh, Arcia is going to be involved. He's going to be the missing G. Uh, to the Brewers pitching <laughs> yeah. side, uh, Corbin Burns doing Corbin Burns things. Uh, six strikeouts and six innings pitch. He did not get the decision, though. But, I mean, it's not his fault the Brewers lost. 0.36 WPA. We all know about him. Freddie Peralta, Sean mentioned. Sean mentions him almost every single episode, it seemed like. I mean, it was a Freddie Peralta show especially near the beginning of the, of our uh, season two uh, of the total basis podcast. 
Uh, he also showed up big. Five strikeouts in four innings pitch. Um, uh, just a recap for the season. Peralta, 195 strikeouts and only 144 in a third innings pitch. So I expect big things to continue for him. Eric Lauer, uh, he was uh, on uh, just an afterthought in that trade with the Padres. Uh, he had the high whip, but he got the important outs when he had to, I guess. I mean, he, he had a brutal series, but WPA, this is why we don't trust WPA too much. He's at a positive 0.13. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, we all know about him. Brad Broxberger, we should know who he is. Let's go to the negative side. Adrian Hauser got housed in the series. Aaron Ashby, which is a player that we, Sean and I, talked about uh, near the end of the season. Um, he did not have a good time in this series, negative 0.18. Hunter Strickland veteran pitcher i mean sean mentioned someone mentioned that he had a good series but according to wpa he was on the negative side and of course josh Hader, probably one of the better bullpen arms uh kind of uh had enough and imploded and the braves figured him out all right let's start with you austin give me one positive pitch uh, one positive pitcher you want to talk about and then one negative pitcher or let, let's let's start with positive uh, with you and sean starting with you austin give me one positive pitcher you want to talk about in this on this list here positive for the brewers uh, I, th- I thought you mean the dodgers no, let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, uh, just give me one positive pitcher from the Brewers you want to discuss right now. We've discussed uh, them all. Oh, yeah. oh, did we? I guess. Yeah, we've hit everybody. That's, I was saying yeah, that for the true. next series. I was saying that for the next series. No, I thought we were still going to go through. Okay, let's just move on then. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, the Brewers are out. The Braves continue. Uh, there's nothing else to be said about that, I guess. Let's go move on. Um, since no one can see the screen here, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. Remember, this guy was an afterthought. Choke artist, positive. Mookie Betts, uh, down year for him, positive. 0.25 WPA for the series. Albert Pujols still, still making an impact uh, in the playoffs. Steven Souza, oh my God, the Dodgers just bringing people back from the dead. Also at a positive uh, <laughs> 0.07, and uh, Gavin Lux 0.03, and Julio Urias is up there, but we don't like to talk about. Uh, pitchers as hitters because they're bums. I was uh, gonna say you're not gonna you're not gonna point out the fact. But that he got an RBI. High, he got an RBI. He has, w, he has a higher WPA than Gavin Lux. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, <laughs> let's start with let's just start with sit here with the positive Austin. Let's start with you. Uh, which positive player do you want to talk about first here with Dodgers? You know what? I want to talk about Albert Pujols. <sighs> yeah. Um. You know he. Being an Angels fan, I got a front row seat for a very, very long time as to the dis- the you know a lot of disappointing moments with Albert Pujols, the mm-hmm. you know the production, the lower production, the uh, you know the plantar fasciitis, the injuries to his lower body, and you know all of the disappointment that comes with the territory of being an Angels fan at this point. <laughs> but him being released i thought was really messed up my opinion i thought him being designated for assignment was 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 a wrong move by the angels and you know if if anything else simply because you know you're a struggling team you're not going to make the playoffs and you're gonna why are you going to designate one of the best probably the best hitter in our generation for assignment just to slap him in the face. That doesn't make any sense. Um, And so when I saw that he got picked up by the Dodgers, I was, you know, I was glad that he got picked up by a team and he actually produced somewhat for the Dodgers. He came off the, you know, he come off the bench and have some, you know, a key hit or two every once in a while. I mean, is he the Albert Pujols that he was? 
No, because he's 47 years old or however old he is now. <laughs> um, and But, I mean, coming into this, I mean, obviously he was two for three, so he came in and pinch hit duties, and he came in when he needed to. So credit to Albert Pujols for staying in there and being Albert. You know what I mean? So good for Albert. I'm, I'm really happy for Albert Pujols. I, I do want to say this because it is on a slight tangent. But if I remember correctly, it was Pujols. Did he ask to be DFA'd because he wasn't starting against left-handed pitching? So there's two different there's two different stories that have gone out there, and I don't know which one is which, or I don't know which one is true. One story has said that Albert Pujols has said, "Play me more against left-handed pitching, or I'm or I want to be designated for assignment." And then another story has said that he walked into the office. He walked into the front office. And the front office said, we're going to designate you for, assi- for assignment just out of the blue. And he got really upset. Uh, Either way, it sounds like he got, he got upset one way or the other. And they desig- and it, it resulted in him getting designated for an assignment. Because for I, I kind of understand that the Angels weren't going anywhere. You want Jared Walsh, who could, could be a really big piece for you guys. You want him to face left-handed pitching. You want Shohei Otani, who, when he's not pitching, is your DH. So you can't put Pujols there. You want him to face left-handed pitching so he can keep hitting. And, I mean, you're, you don't want to keep playing Pujols. I mean, I, I get it. He, he did a lot. But you got to think of the future here. I mean, and- I know from a strategical point of view and, you know, you want to win ball games. Yes. Uh, you know, it is a smart move strategically to, to, to designate him for assignment. But at the same time, it's like, you're not going to go anywhere this year. He's got one year left on his contract and then who knows what he's going to do. Just let him write out the rest of the contract. You've let him write out the, re- if you were not, if you were seriously not this happy about his performance, you should have designated him for assignment two or three years ago, instead of doing it now in the last four months of his contract. <laughs> uh, uh, let's move on because uh, yeah, we could talk about Albert Pujols all off season long and see where he goes from here. But uh, I think he's done. Well, yeah. who knows? Maybe he'll, uh, He'll become Jason Giambi with the Rockies. Player coach in uh, St. Louis. Uh, (laughs) Pinch it himself into the game. (laughs) Maybe he becomes the next manager. Oh, wait. Does Albert Pujols like analytics? (laughs) (laughs) I need to to reserve my opinion. Does he like analytics? Apparently I think we need, instead of Albert Pujols, I think we need to start um, an offseason campaign for Yadier Molina, player manager. And then at the and then the next season, when both him and Adam Wainwright retire, have a personal campaign for Adam Wainwright in the booth because Adam Wainwright was really entertaining in the booth. Yeah, uh, I, I've liked him the last couple postseasons when he's filled in. Just beware, guys. I mean, everybody who everybody loves in the booth by the following year, everybody hates those guys in the booth. John <laughs> John Smoltz was a uh, uh, some sort of like revelation when he started being on the booth uh, that first year that he started the coming into national prominence and now he's the the one a guy for i don't know what station he's on but now that he's the one a guy people are already fed up with him after like one year of him being on the you uh, see that that's my thing with smoltz he's either great like he's in 99 of the time it's like really good analysis and then it's like the one percent of the time he just doesn't shut up about the damn shift like <laughs> like that, that's my only issue with smoltz well i mean it's gonna happen i mean when you Take these old timey guys who don't care about these. At least Smoltz, he he has shown that he has uh, come around every once in a while towards some of the uh, more uh, advanced uh, scouting techniques that these teams like to use. 
but yeah, you're right. I mean, he'll start coming. I don't know why he, they just can't let this guy pitch and just go out there and perform and whatever. I mean, you guys got to give him a comment. Okay. Shut up, John, 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 come on. Uh, the other one, the other guy, uh, Alex Rodriguez, uh, people fell in love with him when he did that interview with Pete Rose and Frank Thomas. Remember the whole, uh, yeah, uh, you guys remember that's what, I've that's what got him. Liked, I've never liked a rod in the booth. I've been indifferent. I don't hate him, but I don't like him either. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've I mean never that's what really... that's that's what got him there though. That that, yeah. that interview with Pete Rose and people like, oh man, he, we we got to hear more from A Rod. And ESPN's like, all right, here's A Rod, <laughs> and now nobody likes A Rod. Yeah, I don't know. I've never particularly cared for A Rod in the booth, but I never particularly cared for him as a player either. So maybe that's just what maybe that has carried over. But I mean, I don't know how great my opinion is because I think I'm in the minority of people at this point that likes Joe Buck. So I don't oh, know. Oh, oh. I'm indifferent towards Joe Buck. I mean, Joe Buck, I, I always tell this to people. Joe Buck, you just have to realize that he's number one, imitating his dad uh, without the big booming voice that Jack Buck had. And number two, I mean, he works at Fox. Who was the number one guy for a very long time at Fox in terms of football? Because Joe Buck's a football guy as well. And that guy is Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall talks like this. First down, Jay Novacek. And then, I mean, if you really think about it, it was John Madden who was talking like 85% of the time. And then Pat Somerall would just do uh, what really amounts to uh, rappers doing, uh, uh, what's it called, ad libs uh, throughout their songs. Like, yeah. You know, the beat goes on. Doom, doom, doom. Oh, come on, come on. How yeah. did we get to here? Well, Our I, conversation about, has dissolved. Dissolved into my, my uh, favorite one is you already know who it is. I'm like, no, I don't know who it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. Dun, dun. <laughs> oh, 21, 21. That's 21 Savage. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, and then once you realize that that's who Joe Buck is, you know, um, he's just trying to do whatever Pat Sarmal used to do to make him make him successful for such a very long time. Then you realize that that's. That, that's understandable what he's trying to do. Plus, you know, when, when you're trying to be the 1A guy, you got to be all things to all people. Unfortunately, when you try to be all things to all people, you're no things to nobody. So, and uh, yeah, nobody likes anybody. That's that's the whole point of my whole spiel. No one likes anyone in the broadcast booth in the, from a national perspective. So there's that. Uh, Austin, Austin, you already talked. Sean, who's your positive player you want to talk to about? Not Albert Pujols. That was on the Dodgers? Uh, on the positive side. Okay, I, I, you see, this is going to be a trick question because I just want to mention one player because he had a great series, but he ends up having a du- negative WPA. And even if you look at the numbers, you probably just have no, to no, dig no. in. I, well, that's why I said the positive. Uh, Yo, all wait. those positive players I just mentioned, you got to talk to me about one positive <sighs> player. D- d- uh, Julio Rios' RBI double or whatever the hell it was uh, in game one. That, that's all I care about. Okay, let me get to my negative guy. Okay. Uh, Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith. He went six for 18. He walked more than he struck out. He had two home runs, three RBIs. How the 1200 OPS and he has a negative 0.03 WPA. That's bullshit. <laughs> let's, let's take a look. Well, Slander I mean, uh, my man. I will not stand for it. So let's take a look. I mean, well, you know why? I mean, the Dodgers, when they won their games, they, they, they pretty much blew out the, the giants. So maybe that's why Will Smith's at the bottom of this list here. Uh, game five. I mean, that was a low-scoring game, so I'm assuming no one had a pretty outrageous positive uh, WPA. Uh, Cody Bellinger. Oh yeah, well, Cody Bellinger. He had the big, big run, the big RBI there. How did Will Smith do in that game? Did he even play? Yes, he did. He was at negative one, negative point one zero nine, despite the fact that he walked in three at bats in four plate appearances. I should say. So no, th- this this WPA man, it could be brutal to some players. Um, 
especially if the other guys are not getting on base. All right. Uh, so uh, I guess why not mention Cody Bellinger, who had a brutal season this year. And oh. he's the one who comes up big in this uh, series. I mean, the game-clinching, uh, game-winning RBI. Uh, four hits, one double, three RBI, seven strikeouts, no walks. Uh, just awful rate stats. But And the one stolen base. So and nothing wrong with his legs, apparently. Uh, but he's the one with the big hit. So hopefully that's a confidence booster for the next series and maybe even for next season. Cody Bellinger's sleeper pick. Who would have thought it? All right, so let's go. Austin, I'll, I'll, let me get your negative, but let me get this list going for the people who can't see. Trey Turner, according to WPA, had a horrible series, also according to the uh, traditional triple slash line uh, at negative 0.39. So that's uh, actually both Turners, Justin and Trey, awful, just awful uh, series against the uh, Giants as they were neutralized. Chris Taylor, negative, point, uh, negative 0.26. A.J. Pollock, also negative side. Matt Beatty in, in part-time uh, appearances negative. Corey Seager. So you're, you're having the same thing with the with the Brewers is that the, a lot of the the big name players, especially on the infield uh, on uh, for the Dodgers, were not up to par in this series. Corey Seager negative zero point one one. Austin Barnes who got one at bats. I guess that shouldn't count. So yeah. All right, Austin. Let's hear from you. Who's your negative player that you want to discuss here? So two comments. First for Cody Bellinger. I. I was listening to another podcast and I thought this was described really well was for the whole regular season. Usually we're in our own little pocket, right? We're mm -hmm. following certain teams. And mm -hmm. especially if we have a fandom of a certain team, usually we follow those teams and we kind of have a hard time following all the teams. And so, you know, everybody was saying, Oh, Cody Bellinger's having a bad season and whatever. And so probably most people that weren't necessarily following the Dodgers um, we're like, well, okay, Cody Bellinger's having a bad season for a former MVP standards. He probably has a WRC plus of like a hundred. He's probably a league average player, blah, blah, whatever. But then now that we're all coming together and watching the same teams in the same games, you know, which is a good thing about um, playoff baseball, everybody's starting to see that Cody Bellinger had a WRC plus of 52. Um, and so everybody's like, oh, Ow, that is a really, really bad season. So good for Cody Bellinger for bouncing back in the playoffs. But my negative is Justin Turner. Justin uh -huh. Turner, where has he been? Usually when it comes to playoff time, one of those one of those players for the Dodgers that's right in the middle of positive postseason production is Justin Turner. Renowned and playoff threat. Renowned. He's one of the best playoff hitters in, like, in Dodger history. Exactly. And in 20 at-bats in five games, he's got one hit, struck out four times, has one walk. He's got a .050 batting average, a 186 OPS, and that .050 slugging percentage. Where is Justin Turner? Justin Turner, we want you back. Like, normally, I'm not, since I'm an Angel fan, I'm I like the Dodgers team, but you know, I'm not one to be like, yeah, Dodgers, you know what I mean? But Justin Turner has always been one that I'm like, you know what? Like this dude can play ball and knowing his backstory. I'm like, he's kind of one that I'm always kind of like to follow, especially since he was on one of my fantasy teams this year. Um, and I don't know. I'm just like, Justin Turner, where did you go, man? Part of the playoffs, you know, it's been a main fixture in the playoff of, Oh, Justin Turner hit another homer, you know? So it seems like the Turner duo is 
struggling right now. Hopefully they show up in the championship series. Yeah. And Justin Turner also had a bad time on the field as well. There was a couple of uh, line drives hit towards his way that he just couldn't grab onto. Um, and uh, so he's having a bad series all around. Uh, and, and that was, his, uh, I'm talking about game five of the Giants game of the Giants series where Justin Turner. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was very well had balls, but still uh, Turner couldn't. Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like any other, you know, elite, not elite, near elite defensive third baseman would have gotten to those balls uh, cleanly, but I digress. Um, Justin Turner just reminds me of that old-timey hockey player that's still, you're surprised that he's still, <laughs> yeah. you, know who, you know who Justin Turner is? He's Marion Hossa uh, uh, from the Blackhawks, the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, um, Wow, he still plays in 2016 or whatever the hell the last time Marion Hossa played. Wow, okay. Uh, still guiding that team to championship, uh, Stanley Cup championships, I see. Okay, that's Justin Turner. That's who I think of. Uh, so hopefully there's still a lot left on his tank. It's very rare to see a guy in his mid thirties still perform, uh, 27 home runs, 87 RBI this, uh, past season. So how let's much does he the- have left on his contract? Sean, uh, he just signed a contract. He was a free agent this year, uh, this past off season. I think it was a three-year deal. It was a four year. Um, it might, it might be a four year. It might, uh, you keep going and I'll, I'll come back. You got it. All right. Let's go to the Giants. Let's see how they did. Well, the Giants. There's played. literally three positives to him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, Chris Bryant, if he were on the Dodgers, he'd be the third best hitter in terms of WPA, right behind Mookie Betts and Cody Ballinger. Uh, you could attribute that to whatever you want. Uh, a very well-pitched series, I guess. But I don't know like, how well-pitched of a series could it have been when the Dodgers blew out two of those games. But I digress. Chris Bryant, positive. Uh, kind of a bounce-back year, bounce-back series, Uh you know, here's what I can do series for Chris Bryant, I guess, kind of going into his free agent year. Uh, Buster Posey also on the positive side uh, did a fantastic job behind the plate as well. At least I think, in my opinion, uh, kind of trying to do his best to calm down those uh, pitchers and high pressure situations. He's been in those situations before. Tommy LaStella shows up in part-time duty. Uh, I don't Tommy know. Boy, I will always love Tommy LaStella. Uh, all right. Let's start with you, Austin. <laughs> Who do you want to talk about on the positive side of things here? Buster Posey. So I have always, always, always loved Buster Posey as a catcher. My two favorite catchers to watch are Yadier Molina and Buster Posey. I've always loved Buster Posey basically for the way he handles himself and how he plays the game. And when I, you know, noticing the, you know, the last few seasons, he had been kind of digressing. He had been having injury issues. I was really like, oh, man, this is really the end of the Buster Posey era, and I'm really upset about that because I really like Buster Posey. And then he took last year off, and then he just, and then he's coming back, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be an absolute train wreck for Buster Posey. But they, re, they rejiggered his schedule. They mm-hmm. you know, reworked the, how he works out and how he trains and stuff like that, and when he takes his days off, and – it worked for him. A 304 batting average for the regular season, an 889 OPS, 18 homers. He really carried this team both as a leader, a veteran leader of the team, and an on the field performer. And it's, you know, proving in the postseason as well that he's not buckling under that. And it's, you know, it's because. He's a three-time World Series champion. He's been here before. So he's having key home runs. Did he strike out six times? Yes. But, you know, Buster Posey comes up when he needs to, and his and a big value of his is just, as you said, 
calming down some of those pitchers that are coming in and it's their first, you know, postseason and they've, you know, they don't know what to expect. Buster Posey is behind there and they, and he wholeheartedly believes in all of his pitchers. So it's really nice to see a resurgence of Buster Posey and getting, getting to see him play in the playoffs again and showing who, who Buster Posey really is like, I really am overjoyed to see Buster Posey performing in the regular season and the postseason. I think a lot of us are very happy to see Buster Posey uh, still be relevant in Major League Baseball. Sean, who's your? Did you want to talk about any of these guys on the positive side of things? Uh, not necessarily because it, it was all negative on the offense. Uh, Mostly negative. Uh, the, the, the Giants. Yeah. I, I'm just going to speak to the the team as a whole on the offense. Was they got throughout throughout the year playing the matchups? They were the the West Coast Tampa Bay Rays. We talked about this. Uh, they platooned guys like Darren Ruff and Lamont Wade Jr. Ruff versus the lefties, Wade versus the righties, Mike, Mike Yastrzemski uh, and Austin Slater. It, it was just everywhere you looked, it was a platoon. Tommy LaStella and Donovan Solano. What yeah. happened in this series? Well, Donovan Solano, who's uh, Donnie Barrels, zero hits. Alex Dickerson, zero hits. Lamont Wade Jr., one hit. Will, uh, Mike Yastrzemski, zero hits. And then you add 49 strikeouts in 159 uh, at bats. Well, it would have been 100 and uh, 164, 165. Uh, it's about a 30% strikeout rate, and they walked less than 5% of the time. Uh, they got away from what made them great. And that's partially credit to the Dodgers. They, you know, messed with the matchups. Everyone wanted to hate him in game five. Like, why the hell is Corey Knable starting? Well, you kind of force the Giants' hand on putting in all your lefties at once because you know at some point Julio Urias is going to come in and pitch three or four innings, and he's going to go through the entire lineup. So you, you know the Dodgers did a really good job counteracting what the Giants did all year to get there. Yeah, I mean, I mean listen, they, you guys can talk. I mean, everybody can talk about how analytics is this and analytics is that, ruining the game, helping the game, whatever the case is. Uh, and, and which is ironic because for some reason the Dodgers are this analytics boogeyman and the Giants are now seen as this uh, poster boy of, uh, of just plain old school, timey, traditional baseball. Excuse you. Uh, did you all forget who the manager for the Giants is? It's Gabe Kapler. Exactly. Farhan Zaidi. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's just analytics versus analytics and which set of decisions and which front office can <laughs> best navigate the managers to make the right decisions here. I mean, it, maybe it's coming down to that and maybe people don't like that, but oh, we got to let these managers have their, you know, go with their gut and go with their, with their hunches. We used to bash managers for doing that as well. No one likes anything. I'm telling you. And, and, and for some reason, uh, the giants get, um, uh, the, the, the perception on them is like, Oh man, it's such, what a great team. I mean, it's up and down, there's no superstars, but they just play old timey, old school baseball, <laughs> the way it's meant to be. And all they're doing is just doing what everybody has been doing since the beginning of freaking time in this game. And it's called playing the percentages. So the matchup (laughs) playing the percentages, playing the matchups. I mean, I'm just quoting Montgomery Burns here. Uh, He did that. (laughs) What was it? That's why he, he, he uh, benched um, what Daryl strawberry and in in favor of Homer Simpson. (laughs) Right. Is that what happened? Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. And Homer Simpson got the RBI hit by pitch. Um, But it's just it's just mind-boggling it's really mind-boggling that all the the the, the word analytics sabermetrics advanced stats all of that or just not playing with the manager's gut feeling it works 
it works. These two teams just gave you five games of, uh, 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 of what this rivalry is all about, and it came down to just who had the better decision making based on whatever paradigm that they're using to get from one at bat to the next. So anyway, uh, I digress. It, it just it just bothers me that ah you know, that, that basically the two the two most successful teams in the National League were very heavily analytics based and that's all i'm going to say about that uh really quick negative side on the the other negative side i know uh sean mentioned them all but just to put a cap the worst player on this list in terms of wpa mike dostremski followed by wilmer flores brandon crawford oh my god evan longoria lamont wade jr who sean just mentioned uh one hit in uh 10 at bats donovan solano donnie barrels zero barrels because he had zero hits no that doesn't that's not how that, it, works, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that <laughs> but he, he did go hitless and with these uh yeah. looks like three strikeouts uh but, but, but Austin Slater, yeah, Stephen Duggar, basically the entire Giants. Yeah, Darren lineup. Ruff did hit into some really tough luck, especially in game five. All three of the balls he hit were just absolutely smoked. One of them did turn into a home run. Uh, one of them would have been a home run in I think 20 out of 30 parks, and the other would have been a home run in like 15 par uh 12 parks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the positives were Chris Bryant, Buster Posey, Tommy Lestella. Uh, but Chris Bryant, uh, I already mentioned him already. That maybe, maybe kind of uh, bouncing back into uh, free agent prominence this upcoming season, off season, I should say. So we'll see. Uh, on the positive side for the Dodgers pitching, Max Scherzer, duh. Julio Rios, duh. Blake Trinan, Kenley Jansen, Walker Bueller, Bruce Argato. Everybody in the Dodgers was good this uh, in this series. Corey Knebel. Joe Kelly, even though he had a high whip, he was on the positive side of things uh, in terms of um, of the WPA. Phil Bickford. I mean, so not one real, negative man. WPA, not one negative, not no. one negative. So let's go. Let's who Austin. I mean, not, not you, Austin. Uh, let's start with Sean this time around. Sean, who do you want to talk about? Who do you want to spotlight on the positive side of things for the Dodgers? Uh, Blake Trinan. I think uh, he did give up the one earned run in that series. And I think he got tagged with the loss last night. But I just think that so much has been asked of him it's kind of taken some of that pressure off of Kenley Jansen. And I think that's allowed Kenley Jansen to even do more, uh, you know, be more successful than he already has been in the playoffs. Uh, they had a great series, no doubt about it. And we've seen before, uh, when you get to the playoffs, uh, the best bullpen usually wins. And that's what happened here. Uh, Austin, what about you? Who's your one positive player you want to talk about here? Uh, I want to talk about Kenley Jansen. So mm. the last couple years when you get to the playoffs and I mean, we, we did it at the, we did it in baseball life. We were like, Oh God, he's putting Kenley Jansen in the ninth. What, what's going to, you know, and whereas before we were like, Oh, Kenley Jansen nailed down whoever they're facing is done. Nobody's hitting Kenley Jansen in the last couple of years. You know, we've been like, uh, He's putting Kenley in the ninth. Mm -hmm. You got two. You, you're only you're only up by a run. Let's see what happens. And this year he's going back to the Kenley of. All right, we're gonna nail this down. It's gonna be fine. You know he's he's discovered a curveball and he's really come back from the struggles that he had the last couple of years. I know he had health issues and stuff like that, but it's really nice to see. Kenley bounced back to the Kenley that he was a few years ago and he's done it by rediscover or discovering a curveball that really has a lot of movement on it. I really like the movement on that um on that curveball. He 
I mean, he only pitched two innings, right? But in that two innings, he has five strikeouts. Nobody's hitting him anymore. So yeah, he's coming up big for the for the Dodgers, and you know those close games for the Dodgers aren't won if it's not for Kenley Jansen nailing it down in the back end. And if I may, I just want to quickly point out that Julio Urias, uh, Mexico represent, coming up once again huge in another playoff series for the Dodgers, uh, left-handed pitcher, as you guys know. And uh, I'm pretty sure that at this point, people are going to forget who Fernando Valenzuela is. So the Dodgers, they're just replacing one Mexican with another. It's been such a long journey for Urias. I mean, to think that it was and to see him finally become the guy that we were like, we were so worried that he wouldn't become because of injuries. And like he debuted so young and then it was shoulder surgery, Tommy John surgery. And to see him now, 32 games started over the regular season and behind Scherzer, he's been their ace before he was even there. And uh, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked about how frustrating it is to watch the Dodgers have all this talent uh, in terms of the pitchers and how they just constantly, constantly baby everybody. And, but method to their madness. I mean, all of this has led up to Urias becoming a very important key piece not just to the starting rotation but also to the bullpen as a, as the guy with the rubber arm and it's just it's just happy to see uh him succeed uh over to the giants logan webb at the top of the wpa list for good reason 0.69 i already know what sean's gonna say uh, that he's the best pitcher on the giants but that's not true uh kevin gossman more innings pitch better <laughs> era better whip better strikeout no 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 you know you know no i, I uh, was gonna say about logan webb that is the highest wpa of any player of any nlds series yeah i mean he came in the clutch came into the clutch maybe next year he'll stay healthy for once that'd be nice to see alex wood uh, i mean we talk about these giants pitchers though I mean, he started 27 games Okay, how come he didn't start as many uh, 33 games like uh, Kevin Gossman did? Hmm, things that make you go did wonder. He, did he pitch in the minors at all this year, though? Who, Logan Webb? Probably. Yeah. I think so. Sounds yeah. like it. I mean, I'm he was hurt. I'm going to guess. Really quick, Justin Turner did sign a two-year contract uh, last season, and he has a player op- – oh, is that a player option? Let's see. What is that? It's a club option for 2023. That'll be his age 38 season at $16 million. I have a feeling that the Dodgers are not going to pick that up. In oh, oh yeah. The, the Justin Turner thing I meant to tell you. Oh uh, yeah. It, it was two thirty-four. I think they do pick up that option. Honestly. No, uh, no. I mean, who's going to play third base for him? someone cheaper. It's the Dodgers. Get out of here. <laughs> Chris Taylor, if he's still available or, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty I mean, sure. I guess we have to, I, I guess we have to see how he plays next year. Cause it, it, his numbers this year still, were looking like Justin Turner numbers. They weren't great, but they were Justin Turner. Like, yeah, but you you can't. I mean, it, it just I don't see it. I don't see him continuing to be the Marion Hosa of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, hey, hockey. He's the Ginger baseball. Nelson Cruz. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think Marion Hosa was also a redhead. Uh, <laughs> huh. Uh, let's see here. I was gonna say, yeah, you, you can't. You just can't. It's not hockey. This isn't hockey. You guys, you guys can tell me. Well, hockey's hockey's a harder sport to. Okay, I've seen 40-year-old guys still. Alexander Ovechkin is still good. Jeremy Yager is still playing in, in a European league. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, people just, you know, hockey players just coasting up, up and down the ice, and you're going to tell me how hard it is. I've seen guys have 25-year careers and still be relevant. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't sound right to me, but whatever. 
Hey, maybe they're using. Maybe hockey players are, are, are using something. <laughs> Uh, as far as Kevin Gossman goes, because I was kind of curious to see, and sure enough, yep, he's a free agent this offseason. He's going to be entering his age 31 years. I think he's in for a big contract if uh, – well, who knows, because what the CBA is doing right now, we don't know what the players and the owners are going to do this offseason in terms of that. But the la- if the last couple of years are any gauge, Kevin Gossman is due for a big payday, but we'll see. I mean, some of those guys who over their 30s did get that big payday have a bit of a more of a back – uh, track record and uh, Gossman has kind of come into prominence since moving to San Francisco. So we'll see if uh, what the market thinks about him, but yeah, it's going to be a really hard one to predict this off season. Uh, who's, who's huffing and puffing over there. Was that you, Sean? Oh, we some, something to add. A lot. Oh, no, you're muted. No, okay. no, no, you're, that's hard. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought you had something to say. Alex Wood, uh, even though he only pitched in four and two thirds innings, he got the second highest WPA in this series. Uh, I guess he kept the giants in that, uh, in that game, whatever game he pitched, I don't remember at this point. Uh, Jake McGee uh, has become one of the better uh, closers. But had but a bad it, series despite the high WPA. Sorry, it, had to say Exactly. It. No, that's what I was yeah. going at. Uh, Camilo yeah. Doval, even though he gave up the uh, the game-winning RBI to Cody Bellinger, he's had a decent series. I hope people now know he, who this guy is. He's going to be a... He's going to rise like crazy in drafts next year for saves. And it's going to be the biggest fool's gold because it's the Giants and they're going to use literally everyone for saves. It, like I said, West Coast Tampa. Yeah. Is but it if you're Camilo in a, it, Duvall, is it ahead. Camilo Duvall that they're comparing to um, K Rod? Uh, I, 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 I think, I I think he's more of a Edwin Diaz, like kind of with the high velo and a, a kind of wipey slider. Yeah. I saw them comparing that. him to K Rod and I was like, no, uh, I don't know. Prime calm down. Kilo. Does he beat his father in law? Because that would make him care on. God damn. <laughs> Let's move on before this gets really ugly. Uh, uh, oh, Camilo Duvall, if anything, he, if you're looking for those low rate stats, he's your guy. It, it just seems like he has that kind of makeup and that stuff to be successful. But, you know, as we know, Sean, relievers can be uh, a fickle bunch, um, very unpredictable to gauge. Uh, Tyler Rogers, who got a lot of uh, notoriety and hope, I hope he becomes a household name and not uh, constantly live under the shadow of his brother, Taylor Rogers, who's uh, the most, well, he was the better pitcher until this year, I guess. Yeah, really? But uh, Tyler Rogers, as you guys who don't, who missed the entire series, he's a submarine pitcher with the quirkiness and uh, yeah. So he, he threw, I think 37 pitches that the ball ended up two feet higher than where it was released from. <laughs> because of baseball that's you can't tell me the ball doesn't rise if it does that <laughs> uh jose albert well if you're pitch i mean come on, come on. what are you doing here what are you doing if you're, if you're fighting gravity of course i mean i don't need it to be a math teacher like dawson to tell you that so uh and jose alvarez is the last positive guy uh we got some negative guys here so we actually do have time to talk about some of these positive guys one by one awesome let's start with you positive player you want to deal with right now I mean, right, I feel like the only positive player to talk about is Logan Webb. I mean, Logan yeah. Webb, you know, granted he's bounced back from, you know, the steroids or the PED suspensions. Uh, that's and, right. And Tommy, and Tommy John. Oh, Tommy look at John. look at Sean. Hey, it's not just PDs, but, you know, he, he's a warrior. He, he fought back through surgery. Anything anything for Sean to have that narrative still. Hey, yeah, listen here, Sean. It's easy to become the best pitcher on a team when you're hey, doing, shooting up PEDs, all right? I'm the one that posted in baseball life that he had a PED suspension. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> Go ahead. Austin, so, sorry I to mean, interrupt. 
there is that, but I mean, he stepped up. I mean, this is a young guy who stepped up to a 0.61 ERA in the postseason. He pitched 33% of the total innings that this pitching staff had. They had a total of 44 innings pitched and he pitched almost 15 innings. That's 34% of the innings. They rode Logan Webb. Like you can't, you can't ride one pitcher and expect to win the series, but Logan Webb carried carried this pitching staff, in my opinion. Madison because when you look man. at when you look at the Dodgers pitching staff, the workload is much more even. Whereas, like I said, in the Giants, with the Giants pitching staff, more than a third of the innings pitched is from Logan Webb. Mm-hmm. You know, so in 14 two-thirds innings pitched, he's got 17 strikeouts to one walk. He stepped up. And he stepped up big time. I just kind of wish for Logan Webb's sake that somebody else would have stepped up as well in that pitching staff. Really quick, I just want to point out that I predict that about 2024, 2025, Logan Webb will be traded to the Oakland Athletics for two minor leaguers, two really highly rated minor leaguers, all right? And everybody's going to... All right, mark the calendar. Right? <laughs> well, not just that, but... And then everybody's going to be like, oh, well, the Giants won that trade. Uh basically what I'm saying is that Logan Webb is basically Jose Quintana. <laughs> Sean, who's your it, positive it, player that you want to uh, talk about? Really I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Camilo Duvall. Uh, he yeah. really, you know, he came up right at the tail end of the year. Probably not many people knew what he was. Uh, 29 games, 27 innings pitched, 37 strikeouts to nine walks. What I love to see in a young pitcher is you don't beat yourself. If, and if you have command with the stuff that he has, uh, fastball in the 99th percentile, fastball, fastball spin rate in the 98th percentile, and then a slider that major league hitters whiffed at 40% of the time and batted under 175 against it, uh, kept the ball on the ground, 50% ground ball rate. Uh, what can I say? I mean, he's going to be awesome. It'll be interesting to see. He's still young. If they make him the defined closer, but I already said before, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's this is the type of organization that is going to do one closer. I mean, look at their bullpen this year. Uh, that this is why they lost the series. They had one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. Uh, Jake McGee, Dominic Leone. I mean, they were great. Harlan Garcia, great. And they get to the postseason and they combine to give up Leone three runs. Uh, Harlan Garcia, two runs. Uh, and then Jake McGee, another two runs. These guys were nails for them in the regular season, and they couldn't replicate the success. And that, that that's my negative form. Camilo Duvall is the positive. He, he, we got to see him on a national stage. But the negative was the bullpen that was best in baseball fell apart. And it, it, it sucks to say because they were so, so good and underrated in the regular season. just want to uh, really quickly point out that um, – in, in- how, how do I frame this where I don't come off braggadocious, but I'm going to come off braggadocious. So, and when you had a chance to get guys like Noah Syndergaard, Mike Soroka, Kyle Hendricks, Hyunjin Ryu, Marcus Stroman, Jesus Lazardo, it didn't matter because the best pitcher of that bunch was indeed Kevin Gossman. I oh told you God. fuckers that that oh was going to be God. the case. <laughs> Victory lap time for me. I, I still remember. I took uh. it personal. I still remember you jackasses laughing at me for taking Kevin Gossman. We're still laughing at you. Uh, it was the right move. The numbers show it. The record shows it. 
the only bad thing that happened was I lost this, this guy over here in the in the last game of the uh, the last series of the, of the championship game in the baseball life fantasy league. It didn't matter. I was right. All you bums were laughing at me. We're wrong completely. I hope you guys were having fun finishing in fifth place, pitching all those, pitching all those other bombs there. Uh, the negative side of things. Uh, Dominic Dione, <laughs> Very good segue there. Very good segue. <laughs> Darling Garcia, Kervin Castro, Zach Little. I don't know if I want to talk about any of these guys. What Dominic Leone, Kervin Castro Cardinal. is kind of cool, honestly. Yeah, Kervin why is he so cool? Because uh, he didn't walk anybody. I don't think he ever put on in 13 innings in his first. Uh, those were the first 13 innings of his major league career. No uh, earned runs allowed. Oh, okay. Look at that. So, um, yeah, Jalen Garcia, wasn't he a, a Red Sox player or who am I thinking? Uh, he was on a lot of teams. The Marlins oh. were when he made his comeback. He's already like, I thought he was older than he is, but he came up as a starter for the Marlins. Or, yeah, he started a little bit for him, but just a weird, like, slinging lefty rubber arm type guy. And then, of course, he goes to San Francisco and they turn him in. He had a .49 ERA in the shortened season last year. It was stupid. And then yeah. 2.62 this year. It's... Uh, the, like I said, the, the Giants are making me worried about how they develop and they're fine. They're, they're doing what the Rays do and it's they find a guy. Hey, he has a weird arm angle. I can fix that and, or use it to my benefit. And, and, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, pick, let's pick let's pick uh, Kyle Hendricks so he can be mediocre for the rest of the season. Felipe. Yeah, that's, that would have been the move to make. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't really I love don't. how I'm... he's still talking trash. <laughs> oh, bro. People... He, he's never gonna let it go. <laughs> I'm never gonna let it go. That's two years in a row where I was right about Kevin Gossman. Next year might be a different story, but we'll see where he lands, where, where what team uh he goes to. I know that there's a limited t- uh shelf for Kevin Gossman, but I'm glad that I was there prime Kevin Gossman years on my team. The pr- no, no, not prime Kevin Gossman years, prime Peak Kevin Gossman year. <laughs> years 2020 counts as well uh, as a dodger fans uh, i should say peak peak kevin gossman yeah yeah he all he had to do was leave baltimore um <laughs> don't I they guess, all <laughs> yeah right watch oh, watch my. next season he's gonna be like kevin gossman's a bum don't <laughs> a bum. Uh, well, we'll see we'll see you never know i mean sean's still quoting me about things that happened from 2019 2020 as if they were still <laughs> relevant to this day like ah, salvador perez um let's see uh anthony Scafani, former reds player uh I was pretty high on him this year. I guess he did pretty well for himself uh, with a 1.091 whip, 152 strikeouts and 167 in a two thirds innings. But uh, yeah, he, he got blasted in this one. Uh, <laughs> one and two thirds inning, 10.80 ERA. Makes me sad because it makes me sad because Anthony D. Sclafani, um did pretty well for me for my fantasy season. And I ended up winning uh, the championship in my in my uh, fantasy league, and uh, you know Anthony DiSclafani was part of that mainstay pitching staff that I had that helped me win. So I have a quick question for you guys, and then we can end on that note. Do you are the Giants going to be this good next year? I think, in my opinion, depending what happens this offseason, but as of right now, we might have seen the best of this Giants team. Um, I don't think they're going to come close to doing what they did this year next season. Uh, Austin, let's start, with, uh, let's start with you. What do you think? You're on the West Coast. What, what do you think uh, the Giants' prospects for next season are? The, this season for the Giants was really, really fun. Yeah, it was. Um, it was really fun to watch. It was really nice to see people like Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford have basically career years and years that they weren't supposed to. It, but – they were only predicted they were only projected to win 75 80 games they won 107 i think they really did overperform um and it just they rode the momentum 
because they were carried by people like Brandon Crawford, Buster mm-hmm. Posey, people that are past their prime years. So supposedly, supposedly. <laughs> and so do I think it's going to happen again? I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say it's highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, so do they, they have Chris Bryant, which is nice. Um, they have some, you know, some guys that have potential coming up, but overall, I think they slide back next year and I don't think they will be as relevant as they were this year. And I certainly don't think they win the division next year. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty positive. I was pretty hopeful for the giants team this year, I, I, but I had them like at 83, 85 at most wins solid third place finish for them in that tough national league west and yeah even they superseded my entire uh, expectations uh sean let's hear from you giants next year what do you see from them as of right now i think the pitching is going to hold and the offense will come back because when you look at it brandon crawford was one of their best hitters and we know he's not this type of hitter he he's a below league average hitter for his career i mean that that's just how it breaks down but It'll be interesting to see because when you have platoons like this, that it's hard to replicate year to year how well it worked out. Like everyone, Lamont Wade had a career year. Darren Ruff had a career year. All of these guys that you had in platoons did great. Granted, Mikey Ostromski had a down year. If he comes back and plays like he did in 19 and 20, we could be having a different story. But I think, yeah, Third place finish. I, I, and I hate to say that because they just won 107 games. I just, whoa. I don't think they have the offense to keep up. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't think the Rockies are going to take a step forward or the Diamondbacks are going to take a step forward over there? What's going Fuck on? The with Rockies. You, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was a family show. Even though I already swore too much already. Uh, I just realized that it's high noon. Um, NFL is kicking off. No, uh, so people are probably watching their football games. I did want to get one more thought out of you guys, and then and then we can finish the show. As you guys know, uh, yours truly here, Felipe, on the predictions for the uh, before the playoffs started. I still have my predicted that Kevin Gosman would do really well. No, I, I I still have my prediction of Dodgers Astros uh, to be in the World Series, wow. and wow. you guys don't. So Austin, let's start with you. Now that you're uh, your bracket's all messed up. Who do you like coming out of both series here? Oh, coming out of both series, the Red Sox have been a really, really interesting story to watch. I did not think they were going to get past the Rays. Excuse me. I thought the Rays were really going to handle them. Yeah, They did really well. And now they're running into the Astros. I think the difference between the... <clears throat> I think the difference between the Rays and the Astros is the Astros have a better offense and it's going to be really, really difficult to um, kind of, well, how, how do you say it? It's going to be really difficult to get to all of that Astros lineup for a series of seven games. So yeah. I really think that the Astros, it, it may go for a while. I think the series is tied right now. One, one, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah it's tied one, one. So I think it'll go for a while. I could see it going six games. I could realistically see it going six games. But I think in the end, I think the Astros take it and I think they go to the World Series. Um, On the NL side, it's been really interesting to watch these Braves. Um, I really like seeing – I didn't think the Braves were going to go this far. Um, I thought they were – there was another that was another one i thought they were going to lose to the brewers in the series um and they came and i was pleasantly surprised they have some offensive pieces but i think that do- those dodgers are just they're too they're too deep 
and they and their pitching staff now Scherzer was struggled in the wild card game um but it seems to have found himself now and I believe he's starting game two today um so I really I really think the Dodgers are going to beat the Braves Uh, the Braves are going to put up a good fight but I think the Dodgers are going to do it so I think it's going to be a repeat of the 2017 the 2017 series and we're gonna there's gonna be a lot of talk (laughs) <laughs> Who, who's winning really quick? Who's winning Dodgers or Astros in the world oh, series? That now that you know what, you know, that is so tough. Uh, gun, no. gun to your head. Let's go. We're out of time. <sighs> Dodgers. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sean, uh, same question. Who, now that your brackets busted, you get fresh new look. Who's your uh, world series picks now? Uh, I'm going to do Dodgers, Astros, Astros. Yeah. You guys just should have just done what I. You guys should have just followed me all along, man. Hey, I, uh, I, I, I told you guys, Dodgers uh, Astros. Before you sign us off, uh, Kevin Gosman had twenty quality starts. Kyle Hendricks had nineteen. Thank you very much. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, not a single Kyle Hendricks fantasy owner was happy hey, with his performance this year. Hey, so. Quality starts is a category. Some, quality starts is a category over a lot of uh, in a lot of in a lot of week. Oh my god. Oh, you can't even spit it out right. Quality starts is a stat over wins in a lot of leagues now. All right. Well, I can do that, too. In our league, we cover wins. Kevin Gossman had more wins than Kyle Hendricks, I think. Oh, no, that's not true, is it? That didn't matter. Wins are overrated. (laughs) Wins are overrated. (laughs) Let's see here. Um, I dropped Kyle Hendricks. To be honest, I did. I dropped him uh, halfway. Or, a, a lot of people did. A lot of people did. No, no, no shame oh, no. in that. A lot of people. Oh no, did. they had the same amount of wins, even though, <laughs> Kyle, Hendricks, even though Kyle Hendricks was like lapping him. Oh, you know what else? Kyle Hendricks couldn't do pitch more than 181 innings. How many innings did he have? 181. How many did Gossman have? 182. 192. Because he's a oh, real kiss my ass. Kiss me. Last I checked, Michael kiss Jordan. My was, fucking ass. 192 is bigger than 181. It beats it every time. Uh. <laughs> Kevin Gossman, 10.6 strikeout per nine. Kyle Hendricks, 6.5. Felipe, get us the hell out of this simulation. <laughs> 6.51 K per nine. What is this? 1951 World uh, uh, Baseball. What the hell? And who, who does he think he is? Bob Gibson. <laughs> He wishes. He's more like why did he why did he Ford at this point? If he's lucky, if he's lucky, one point five four home runs per nine for Kyle Hendricks. Not my ace. Not my ace. You guys are glorifying bums out here. I'm gonna laugh when Kevin Gossman comes to Chicago and sucks absolute ass for you. Hey guys. man, if, if Kevin Gossman comes to the White Sox, that might be that might be the difference maker right there. Oh God! Uh, right. uh, can you imagine, Sean? Uh, you you couple Lance Lynn, who's just a fastball pitcher, and then you met you you bring in uh, Kevin Gossman, who's just a split finger pitcher. Oh my God! It, it's just it'd be the oh. most White Sox thing ever because there's no ver- unlike the Giants, there's no versatility in positions. Everybody plays their position 162 games of the season. There's a set lineup every day. And, and the people perfect. that pl- are playing positions they shouldn't even be playing, like Andrew Vaughn played second base in left field. Like what the hell is he doing out there? I don't know, but I, if Andrew Vaughn play more than 10 games in second base, I know who my number one second baseman is for next year. Okay. Well, joking, well, yeah, let's not go that far. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Uh, we have other podcasts. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, go check them out uh, in all our other groups. For Austin, Austin has a podcast called the Round Trippers Podcast. Uh, I probably will be on it, not this week, but next week. Uh, speaking of other podcasts, I will be on the Basketball Life Podcast with uh, Jacob and uh, what's the other guy's name? Leon, sorry. Jacob and Leon, as we break down our Fantasy Basketball League uh, draft that just happened last week as well. Uh, interesting picks there. So we're going to break it down 
off and uh, see what the people think about those uh, picks that we made. For Sean, Austin, thank you so much for uh, being a guest for us this week. I am Felipe. We will see you next time. Thank you. Bye, guys.